0: When you've got a traumatized brain, the neocortex jumps out, the limbic system jumps out, the emotional, and all you're left with is the desire to do the fight, flight, and freeze. You can't think straight. You can't operate. The way that somatic experience therapy works is finding where that block is, understanding what meaning you attribute to the block and what emotions you attribute and what it makes you want to do. And by releasing it from your system, then you're able to function as normal. We build what's called the healing vortex, and that acts like a anchor for all the negative feelings and symptoms in the body. What we do is we go to a happy place, and then their whole body just starts to slow down and melt. I do use EMDR. The way that we measure it is just how you feel, just noticing the lack of tension in your body and noticing how the symptoms are going away.
1: This is Hope to Recharge. I'm Atana. I'm here to guide you and support you through your challenging times, navigating through depression, anxiety, and other mental health struggles. Thank you for joining me here today with Mickey, marriage and family counselor, therapist in Israel, but originally from America. She traveled around the world. I came across her because someone posted, it's amazing how I always find the people that exactly I need to, at that moment. Um, I've been researching about somatic therapy and it was one of the only... I think, modalities of therapy that I've been curious about, but I never tried it on myself. And my audience know that I almost tried, I tried almost everything from holistic Buddhist traditions and holistic, the more religious part of it. And I tried traditional therapy and psychotherapy. I tried it all, right? Medicine, off medicine, But somatic, I never tried. And recently, a friend of mine, I think it was a few weeks ago, that told me that she was going through actually a very hard divorce. And she was saying that two years ago, she was looking into somatic. And now she was thinking of actually becoming a somatic practitioner. And I'm like, what? Easy. So I was researching and I know I heard a lot about it. And I have a friend that speaks about it often. And I reached out to her and I'm like, so what's somatic? How does it work? And when somebody posted that you helped them, with somatic but you're a family therapist you're a, you do marriage sex. family sex intimacy you also have a trauma, co- trauma relationship, relationship coach for pre-marriage or post-marriage how to not get stuck all these things you deal with all these issues right communication yeah. issues individual issues of identity versus a couple and mm-hmm. and then i said oh my god this is fascinating like how do we use somatic to come into therapy as a couples therapist so mickey thank you for joining me here it was fascinating to read that post how you did a somatic treatment on somebody for the war for their anxiety about the war it was a 15 minute session i I could share a little bit about it with you yeah yeah so first of all welcome and thank you for being here
0: Thank (laughs) you. i'm ready to launch right in there (laughs) yeah let's go Okay, basically, uh, a woman that I know who's a dear friend of mine and I were talking and she was just like fading out. She was just like, she, her head was all over the place. I said, look, I, I can't have a conversation with you like this. I have to do some SE on you. SE is for short for somatic experience therapy. I said, I need to SE this. And literally, we did a 15 minute session and she was clear as she was like a whole new person. Mm. She was just and she then and she also told me the next day and she posted this on that group on the Win group. That she had her first good night's sleep in 20 days or something, whatever day it
1: was since the war began. Or began, yeah, yeah. Which a lot of people are not sleeping or with anxiety, yeah. and fear. Will they have to run to the shelter? What's going to be the endless worries and anxiety that's just yeah. living in Israel? Is she the living in Israel? Yeah, she is. She's living. In Israel. She, is she is living in Israel. So, yeah. so I want. So let before we dive into your work, I want to understand the basic definition of somatic.
0: The basic definition of somatic. So as they say in Israel, on one foot. Basically, the the way that it works is like this. Let's say your brain. Okay, I'll use my hand. Right. I mm-hmm. say this is your brain, and when you experience trauma, what happens is that your reptilian brain is the only part of the brain that's functional. Let's say this is the reptilian part of your brain, this is the limbic system, the emotional part. This is the neocortex up here. So this is supposed. This is the way it's supposed to sit. But what happens when you've got a traumatized brain is the the neocortex jumps out the limbic system jumps out the emotional and all you're left with is the desire to do the fight flight and freeze and that's connected to the central nervous system and that impacts the way that your whole body's functioning and so that means that you can't think straight you can't operate in the best way that you can and the way that somatic experience therapy works is i call it human plumbing it's about finding where the block is inside of your body. It's going to be in one of your organs that are going to be affected, right? The organs will go into hyperfunctioning or hypofunctioning. They'll overfunction, underfunction, right? And that's what makes your whole body get out of whack. That's what makes you eat more or eat less or high sex drive, low sex drive. Your heart rate will increase. Your lung capacity will go down. Everything just goes completely out of whack. And then that affects your whole way of being and thinking about yourself. And so the way that somatic experience works is it's by finding where that block is, understanding what meaning you attribute to the block and what emotions you attribute and what it makes you want to do. And by releasing it from your Mm -hmm. system, then you're able to function as normal. It's really that simple.
1: And quick. how do, And what's the technique? So you said like it's a plumbing. So with plumbing, you yeah. use Drano or so with so plumbing, so you use Drano. Know. What is it? How does it work? So, like how do okay. we? it sounds like a magic pillow. I have a migraine. It, take Motrin and it goes it, it away. It
0: is magical. It is magical. And by the way, I don't really take too much headache pills anymore. <laughs> I don't take too many headache pills anymore because I try to se When I do get a headache and it happens a lot less, well, it's been happening a little bit more since the war.
1: Yeah.
0: I, I se it. I, I have a pain. I see it. Is that what it's called? Yeah. I see it? Is that the terminology? I, I me personally, I yeah. se the pain. Yeah, that's how we say it in, in se mm. land, in somatic mm. experience therapy land. Okay. I had a crazy experience this summer where I I was trying to swing on a rope. I fell on my back. I should have, my back should have been broken or something, Mm -hmm. but somehow I know how to sort of calm my nervous system down when I'm in like a crazy situation. And I was able to just breathe through it. I fell on rocks, by the way, a lot. It was painful. It definitely hurt. But what I did was I just really focused on my body and I just allowed myself to just imagine the pain just going away. And I just created my own corrective experience. I'll, I'll I'll explain to you a bit how it works. So let's say
1: we could do it on you right now. Yeah, let's go. Pain in your body? I are just, you over it? So I want to know how you start. So let's say someone comes okay. to you and see. says, let's go through an experience. I'll say to you, I'm feeling very triggered. I'm feeling very nervous because yeah. I haven't heard from my family member that's in war. In war. For, let's yeah. say they're at war. I haven't heard from them. Right. I can't breathe Probably I can't focus. I'm not going, I'm going to take the war because everybody's, it's on the front lo- mind of everyone right now. Yes. And people can relate to it and I'm not functioning. I'm just not functioning. Yeah. Okay. So I would want to know a little bit
0: more about what this not functioning is, but we don't even, we wouldn't even have to talk too much about it. And usually the person comes in, they say they have these symptoms. They're not eating right, or they're not sleeping, or they're nauseous or whatever it is. What we do is we build what's called the healing vortex. And that acts like a anchor for all the negative feelings and symptoms in the body. And what we do is we go to a happy place. I'll get you nice and grounded. We'll do some ventral vagal exercises, get the neck nice and loose and everything like that. And you'll sit with your feet on the ground and you'll make sure that your body, I'm like sitting the way that I would tell anybody to sit in my office. And I just try to get their best breath to slow down. I'll get them to think of a nice happy place that they might go to. I might even put on some sound of some rushing waves or some sound of rain or something like that. Or they'll make maybe even I, I use some weighted blankets. That one right here. Mm-hmm. And I might put this in their lap and it like makes them like calm down. I have a whole bunch of toys here. I use like some poppets. I got some rocks. My favorite rock is this one from a lot. It's this really it looks like a potato,
1: but oh, it's wow, really nice, nice
0: and it's nice and cool. And you might hold it in your hands. And you just all these different things will just calm you down. I also spray my room up really nicely with a lot of lavender and Different nice smells. Actually, got this smell from um, this very lovely scent from iHerb called Peace, Mm. (laughs) ironically. Mm -hmm. And it really makes you feel really peaceful inside. And so I'll just bring that person to the happy place. And then their whole body just starts to slow down and melt into the couch or into the chair. And then once we bring in the happy place, I'll invite them to think about this. Either they'll tell me a little bit about their fear, that might tell me about the person that they're afraid of. they're maybe afraid that maybe something happened to them, or they're afraid that they don't they don't know where they are, they're, whatever it is, whatever the fear might be. Or I might even just go straight in the body. And I might say, as you're sitting here, what part of your body is bothering you? Where do you notice some sort of tension in your body? They might say, I have some tension in my chest or my shoulders, or my back or their stomach. And I'll get them to focus on it and notice it. And I'll say, as you're noticing the tension. Is there a color, a shape, a texture? Is there some sort of meaning or image or memory that comes up for you? Does it re- does it remind you of something? Is there sort of motion connected to the feeling? Does it make you want to do something? And so a client that I was working with recently, who was in a bomb shelter with somebody that really triggered her, was she just went through all this with me.
1: And what if nothing comes uh, up? What if there's no color, no shape, no thought? What if it's just pain? And I'm not and I, and I'm not Um, getting to all these
0: things. That does happen sometimes. And so that's, it gets a little complex, that that would be called an uncoupled memory. There's coupled memories, which means that means that it's sitting on the trauma is sitting on a lot of different other traumas Mm. or several different traumas, or it's an uncoupled trauma, meaning that we don't know what it's connected to. Right, and so we help that person make some sort of connection. And there's a lot of different ways that, in which I would work with that. Is it take too long to really go through all of that? But yeah, that does happen. And so I might work on the outside of the person's body, meaning I might just help them to just really calm their nervous system down, just to really help them to reconnect with their bodies. And so the more connected a person is with their body, the easier it is. And I've had many clients come to me where they really couldn't connect with their bodies when they first came in. And so we had to do a tremendous amount of calming to build up that healing vortex to reconnect them with their bodies so that they could then access the trauma.
1: So what happened to this woman that was triggered by the woman in the, in the bomb shelter? So
0: what I, I don't want to get in, into the whole thing, but basically what I got to see was actually hurt that trauma was sitting on a lot of other traumas mm-hmm. from her past. Mm-hmm. And so we, we fixed that trauma in five seconds she got it because she got to me very quickly and that's really the key with trauma is you don't a lot of people put off dealing with their traumas and they say I'll deal with it later I'll deal with it later I have a, a sad story of a, a, a lovely Khayal that I was treating from Suketan the war before this one which was in 2014.
1: A chayal means a soldier,
0: soldier there's some sorry. people
1: that don't understand oh, of course. okay
0: of course yes a, a lovely soldier and I knew his mom and I said to her I knew that her son had been in combat. And Mm -hmm. I said, please make sure that your son comes to me straight away. And she really pleaded with her son to come and he just wouldn't. And he came two years later, two years after the war was over. And the PTSD had really taken a hold of him to Mm -hmm. such a big extent that it was really hard. It just took a lot longer to treat. Whereas he had he come straight after It's easy to say after the fact, but I really believe that we would have really treated him. He would have been in a much, much better way. But what happens is when we don't treat trauma straight away, it just develops all different, it morphs into all different sorts of meanings and different things. And it really stops us from living our fullest lives.
1: Wow, I have so many questions. No, I want to understand it. I want to understand it before I go deep into our conversation. So when you say you release the trauma, somebody with EM, like that does EMDR. So they could say, yeah. you don't necessarily feel the release, but you know that when you look at the trauma, it's not at that intensity. It's that right. we remember it, but it's not intense. How do right. you it measure 10, the, it? You do the same
0: thing? We are not so big on the numbers. It's more like a general, we look more, SE looks more in the body than EMDR. I studied them both actually, and I do use EMDR. I use a lot of EMDR techniques as well. So like I do the butterfly tapping sometimes Mm -hmm. as well, which I see and EMDR use that in parallel with each other. But the way that we measure it is just how you feel, just noticing the lack of tension in your body and noticing how the symptoms are going away. That's the proof is in the pudding. You just see the symptoms just melting away. You see how the person, for instance, with a friend I worked with 20 days into the war who was having trouble with sleeping um, and was very foggy, you could tell two seconds after I treated her that she was able to focus. You could tell that the fog had lifted,
1: hmm. right? It's really that simple. But so let me give you another scenario. Let's sure. say somebody knows they have a trauma, but when they're coming to you, they're mm-hmm. not triggered by it. They're not really feeling it anywhere, but Absolutely. they know they have to work on it. So I'm going to take an example yeah. from the Orthodox and non-Orthodox world, something that I see often and I hear often, an Orthodox, mm-hmm. a very Orthodox couple gets married and the mm-hmm. first night of sex is a trigger because they yes. feel either raped, shame. violated, shame, unfamiliar, the, the list goes on and on. Right. And it's not because something specific happened. It's the unknown. It really, it was a trauma. You right. go, and then they start going into therapy and they understand right. that they, they don't even know that it's the first night or the first year or the first two years or whatever. They don't know that's the trigger of yeah. the- yeah. I've seen a, that a lot. Of a trauma, right? You've seen it a lot. Most sex I've seen therapists, many right? years, we hear after. it a lot, right? Yeah. Sure, where it is. They know that there's a trauma. And then they're like, okay, right. fine. They just come to you as a couple and they're like, okay, we mm-hmm. have to work on our sex and intimacy. And it comes yeah. up, but they're not feeling it strong in the moment of you bringing it up. How do you address it if it's not? But then the night, let's say she goes to the mikvah, the break between the physical intimacy for two weeks and then goes to the mikvah and she feels that trauma in her body. Yeah. But she'll she's not in the to... office then.
0: Yeah, but she'll be able to report to me. People that I've worked with will often, what will often happen is they'll, they'll report that they have painful sex. It'll come up as vaginismus or stibulitis or something like that where there's like a tension in the vagina. Mm-hmm. And she just, and anytime he tries to come in, her body goes into the freeze, and it can't loosen up. Mm. And so we work through that. And sometimes I'll do some individual sessions with the woman or the man, whoever's experiencing whatever the issue is. And sometimes we'll do it all together, mm-hmm. depending on what's needed, whether she feels she can do it safely in front of her partner or vice versa. So you can yeah. treat
1: it even if you're not like feeling that emotion, that intensity at, in your office. This episode is sponsored by our incredible sponsor from the beginning, BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com, the leading online platform for therapy. Many people come to me for help, and one of my questions are, have you been to therapy? Are you willing to go to therapy? I am not a therapist. I don't claim to be a therapist, and I don't do the therapist work, and I think it's something that has to be done with a therapist side by side. Some people have been to therapy for many years and then they come to me to do the work. I often say, if you haven't been to therapy and if you wanna start working with me, you need to start working with a therapist as well. Very often, it is very expensive. BetterHelp is a leading online platform for therapy that is affordable. You don't have to leave your house. You can get it from the comfort of your sofa, your bed, your office. It's one click away. There are thousands of licensed clinicians on this platform. It's incredible. If you wanna get 10% send off your first month use the link in the show notes betterhelp.com forward slash hope to recharge use the link below and start your therapy from the comfort of your home. Sometimes it's so overwhelming to go to therapy. Nowadays, most therapists are on Zoom. Most clinicians are on Zoom. Let's say you travel a lot. Let's say you just don't like getting out of your house, but you want a therapist. It's so affordable, it's worth taking a look. If you're thinking about therapy and you don't know where to start, go to betterhelp.com forward slash hope to recharge. That's betterhelp.com forward slash hope to recharge. Millions of people from all over the world are using them. Start your wellness now. If we, we bring it up, we bring it up through either through
0: talking or just she'll sharing the symptoms, she'll tell me about the symptoms and then it'll just come up mm-hmm. and then we'll just go in there and then different memories will come up. And a lot of memories have come up for people that they didn't realize they were holding on to. They didn't realize 10 years later that the issue really did come up from their first sexual encounter or just seeing their partner naked it has been traumatic for some people, not realizing what male anatomy really looked like and mm-hmm. stuff like that.
1: Yeah. So why was it important to you after you became a marriage and family therapist and uh mm-hmm. sex therapist to actually go into the somatic field? What did you think that was missing yeah. in your practice that you said I can take it a little deeper and it's important and you feel a huge shift with your couples that you work with? Yeah.
0: It just so many of the issues that came up. I just see trauma all over the place, sadly. And when I'm talking about trauma, also we're not always talking about big T traumas. We're not always talking about rapes or murders or huge things like that. Sometimes it's even just little simple things that we're just shaming as a child. Sometimes being yelled at as a uh, yelled at by a parent or a teacher that could really get into a person's kishkas and it could really kill a person's self esteem, and then it could really havoc with being able to form a relationship. I have lots of clients who tell me that. And brilliant people, by the way, absolutely. Sometimes it's the smarter ones that I have that have more trouble because they even try to overcompensate in some ways. But they often will tell me that they just feel uncertain about themselves. They feel lack of self-esteem, lack of self-confidence. And then this lack of self-esteem and confidence, then they project outwards and they feel they can't find anybody lovable enough. But what they're really doing is they're feeling that there's a lack of lovability inside of them. And so they, rather than so they create this sort of boundary between themselves and others, and they don't allow themselves to really connect with other people. I see so many people who have trouble with intimacy and attraction because of past trauma. And so then they'll come to my office. And so that's really what inspired me, just seeing this again and again. I said, and I just wasn't getting it, getting anywhere, just with talking. To so them.
1: talk therapy wasn't really going deep to healing the trauma. It
0: wasn't cutting it and I just didn't want to charge people to just sit in my office and talk and talk and get nowhere Mm
1: -hmm. and one of
0: the things that I uh, learned when I studied somatic experience therapy with Gina Ross more than 13 years ago was that sometimes talking about it actually compounds it and makes it even worse yeah yeah
1: yeah because it's bringing it
0: alive it's making it alive and it needs to release and if you can't release it it just stays in your body even more and then you feel even more frustrated and then where are you Mm. right? And so by doing it in a somatic way, you're actually able to really release the trauma from the body. And then you're able to really do what you need to do.
1: Are you saying that every trauma attaches itself to a part of our body, guaranteed? It's not only in our mind and in our emotion? Our mind is connected to our body. And it certainly seems that
0: way. It certainly seems that our body is really the reptilian brain is really where we hold all those subconscious memories. And it's definitely the memory with what Vessel Vanderkalk said the body keeps the score. Right. And I think the one who originated that terminology right. is really right. that way. And so I just, I don't even know anymore how to not use the body in, wow. in healing resilience. I don't know.
1: So it's like a fast forward. Yeah. I'm yeah. thinking of Monopoly, like you can go ahead, like yeah. you can go step by step, or you could just skip ahead. And it is uh, like that.
0: And people tell me all the time, they feel like, Therapy using SE is like five years of therapy rolled into one. Wow, it's so intense! Is you there?
1: So yeah, straight
0: to yeah. The, you just get straight to the point. You don't have to fluff around and develop huge attachments to the therapist or anything like that. You just get right in there. And the other thing that's great for the therapist, for the therapists out there listening to this, is that you could work so much. We could do so much more work because you don't take on the trauma as much because when you hear it's hearing the stories Mm -hmm. right trauma also enters the ears it enters the eyes because I'm not hearing the story so much Mm -hmm. I'm able to really create more of a buffer between myself and the client and I don't feel traumatized by it so there's no
1: analyzing the detail of it there's no really analyzing I just
0: I don't it doesn't get into my kishkas in the same way I'm also able to clear my system Afterwards, I used to be anybody who knows me from twenty years ago. I used to fuck it like anything. I would just hear a sad story. It was really hard for me when I was working with clients Mm. because I would get so sad. I would get really into the material that they were sharing with me, and I would just a huge empath. Yes, I'm a huge empath. Exactly, and I really think, oh my god, am I going to be able to help this person? I get so sad. And now I think I'm not. I I barely cry. Not because I'm not sensitive. Not because I'm not empathetic but because I feel so confident in my ability to heal people. And I've seen so many amazing miracles mm. in such a short period of time. And I just, I'm not sad anymore because I feel so, I'm able to feel so hopeful.
1: You're enthusiastic. I and see. you're the- happy for them because you feel that it's going to pass through and you have the tools mm-hmm. to help them do that. That's yeah. interesting. Is there controversy uh, in the healing world and the therapist world and the doctor world and somatic i'm curious to know
0: so there definitely was um early on when there wasn't a lot of research because there's you know a lot of the cbt therapists in particular they loved quote that cbt has got all the research and i see it took a little bit longer for the research to come out and now a lot of research has come out so now people can't say there's not enough research that's number one number two what we're seeing now and this is really killing me is a lot of the therapists on the front lines, the psychologists on the front lines of the war, don't aren't weren't all treated in SE. Many of them were not, and so there's a controversy between the the old school psychodynamic therapists and the CBT therapists and the SE therapists. And uh, so the old school therapists, let's call them, are saying, wait till the um, soldiers are war out of the over. war, let them just let that adrenaline just go through their body and right. let them use that adrenaline to just kill the enemy. And they need that adrenaline. But what the SE therapists know, because they're much more knowledgeable about how the body works and the brain and, every, and the connection between the two, they're saying that what happens is there are so, the soldiers who've been sitting around waiting to go to fight for a very long time. So maybe the first two days, three days, maybe the first week, they were really pumped and excited and adrenaline was going through the body. But we're up to day 37 now, I think. That adrenaline has gone literally truly out of their system. And now the fear is kicking in. And they need to deal and with ex- that ex- exhaustion from
1: anxiety, lack of normal sleeping, like just being just, just being a, in a tent, cold, hot, not knowing the right? next and or just the daily routine of not if somebody's used to being in school and work or a father or whatever they don't have that normal day to day. It yeah. catches up, and Absolutely. besides the news and whatever, like and their friends being the murdered,
0: yeah. all the all of it, yeah. and so. The the old school psychologists are saying you should just wait around for them, for the the adrenaline to go through their system and whatever. But the problem is that once the fear kicks in, it makes the person weaker. And if a person is weaker, if our soldiers are weaker, then they can't do what they need to do. They literally can go into the freeze or the shutdown mode. They're not in the fight mode anymore. Two years
1: ago, they had therapists in the army. Think about this is new to think that, there's so many therapists with technology that can access, who could have accessed a base 20 years ago? Yeah. Or even 10 no, they didn't years have, ago, who, who Even the them? last war. Yeah, the they last had war a, maybe they, they had a, ther- a, psych- a psychologist or a, a, a social worker, but to have the abundance that we have now is just to have this conversation is curious. Yeah. Wow. It just shows what modern days do, that there's even a conversation of how to help soldiers heal Before, during, and after.
0: On the front line,
1: in real time.
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Wow, that's fascinating. So Mm.
0: where is this conversation happening
1: of the therapist?
0: Oh, we have a group. I'm actually missing it right now, sadly, but it's Mm. more important than I'm I'm talking to you. No, it's okay. Uh, We've been having supervision groups every Thursday evening between 6 and 8 p.m. The SE community run by Gina Ross. Gina Ross is sitting all the way in L.A., and thank Mm. God for Zoom we are she's doing groups revision with all of us and we're all learning from each other and sharing different things that are coming up for us every mm. week yeah every week since the start of the war
1: and are you volunteering with the, yes. the army how does it work like how does somebody so, how how do these bases get therapists like what is so, it what, so the there protocol? are a lot of there are a lot of psychologists
0: who do our employed through the army. Mm. Me personally, I have been doing my own volunteer work. I've been volunteering through Jerusalem City of Gold, which has been housing different people from the South, finding different houses around Jerusalem for people from the South, people who have been very generous and donating their homes. Let's say people who live in America, Australia, whatever, England, and they've been donating their homes to people from the South. And those people have been very traumatized. And so some people who've been working with them and volunteering with them know me and they've been calling me up and saying hey this person lives right near you can you just pop over to them or can they pop over to you and can you do some work with them mm-hmm. and so I've had some beautiful sessions and it's so lovely that I'm able to work with them right after wow. the trauma
1: so I had a gorgeous can I just share one ex- please I want to share one I'm in I awe I'm in awe like I have tears so, like it's, it's what an exciting. act of service I share it's so healing often. for me too exactly Simon Sinek yeah. says the greatest yeah. act of service is serving those that serve others. And yeah. he says this all the time and I, it stuck yeah. with me and he shares an experience when he went to I think it was Afghanistan or whatever and he felt honored. And he said yeah. there's there's, a, there's like this incredible humility to be able to serve those that serve others. So let me share the story. I'm working with this woman
0: from Nativot down in the south. She they were one of the one of the first communities that were hit by Hamas and they were actually hit a lot less fortunately for whatever reason we don't know why and but nevertheless they got they heard the the terrorists going through the community and there was tremendous amount of fear as they're sitting in their safe rooms and so this woman this young woman I think she's I think she's even pregnant I'm not sure I haven't even asked her but she looks very young and she looks like she's a little bit like early on in her pregnancy not quite sharing yet and she has Three young children, six, four, and two, and she comes to me and she says, "Look, I can't sleep at night. I don't feel like I had the ability to protect my children." And so she came. We did some SE, and basically, what happened was she she was in her house and she heard this very loud boom in her on her house, like on this, like there was mm. this aluminum just oh outside God. the window, and she didn't oh. know where this boom came from. Yeah, and she thought a terrorist had just jumped on. Yes. This metal thing and she had no idea what the heck it was they found out later it was a stupid cat that was running around that mm. scared the Jesus right. out of them right and so basically and this fear got really trapped inside of her body to the point where she was literally paralyzed and she mm-hmm. said to her husband, if I have to grab our children and do something, I'm not going to be able to do it and she felt like a complete failure mm-hmm. as a parent. Mm. To protect her children, mm. and so we work through that. bse that, and then it comes time to—I didn't get to share this part with you—to do this thing called creating a corrective experience. That's the very end, and that's the icing on the cake of SE. And basically, what that is, it's finding—it's being able to say, okay, you've—you you, now you've discharged all the trauma from your body. Now let's implant a positive thing. If you could go back to that time, and it's hard to go back to that time, but now that you've released all the trauma, you can go back to that time and imagine. There's a terrorist right outside of your- Oh my God. I, I don't even know how someone can imagine that. Well, she could easily imagine it because oh. <laughs> that was the situation. So it's not too far beyond her imagination. Oh
1: my God.
0: So if you imagine that, what would you like to imagine happening differently? What sort oh. of scenario would you like to come up with to help you feel stronger? And the scenario that she came up with was she would like to imagine that her whole family became see-through and that the terrorists came in and that they didn't see them and then that God brought down this huge fireball and killed her, the terrorists and prevented them from killing anybody else. And just this creative thought gave her this huge feeling of joy. And I, I know it sounds crazy to the the person who's just hearing this and not experiencing it. It's so You're telling me that I'm just going to trick my brain and pretend that this-
1: Not crazy- only that, it's not reality because it won't be see-through. Right. I'm saying, isn't that dangerous right. to even bring an idea that's not possible she won't be if a terrorist comes she's not see-through she needs to act what is it doing to my brain by faking
0: it the thing is like this because she's not now currently in a dangerous situation Mm. we can play with those sorts of things Mm. because what we need to do is we need to get her feeling strong again so we could use any sort of so it doesn't matter it
1: doesn't matter what story she
0: says that she's right. not even
1: there. She's, they were not in an right. different state. They were like somewhere else.
0: You, and- exactly. And I'll give you another scenario. And this is not uh, a scenario I dealt with. This is something that um, was brought up in supervision with uh, Gina, this SE supervision, um, where a, a, a soldier was saying that he felt very scared of losing his life. And the, what, the way that you deal with that is because that is a real scenario. You can't just say, no, you just imagine you're not going to die. Imagine everything's right. going to go. Imagine Hamas, whatever. Right. So you really help them deal with that reality. And you say, what would happen if you did survive? Or what would happen if you don't fight? What would happen if you don't go in and fight? Right? What are the different possible scenarios? Um, If you don't go and fight. To give yourself a way out. If you give yourself a way out, how, A, how would you feel if you don't? What might happen to, to your family members? Let's say the whole Israeli army decides that they don't have the ability to fight right now. Let's say they all feel too weak to fight right now. What would happen? what would happen is we'd be overrun by our enemy. That's what would happen.
1: So what happens when they have that thought, what if we can't fight the enemy?
0: If I can't fight the enemy, then what would happen to your family members? What would happen to the rest of the Jewish nation? If we were too weak and we allowed ourselves to be overrun by the enemy, then the enemy would be able to to harm everybody and they would knock us all out. And so by working in that sort of way, It helps to bolster and strengthen the soldier, knowing how important they are and how important their mission is. And there's something about knowing that, and I've spoken to other soldiers like this as well, who really feel that they have to do this. They have this huge mission and they're not scared of giving their life for this because they know that if they don't, the Jewish world won't exist. And they feel such a huge debt of responsibility.
1: Yeah, responsibility. I feel if I'm looking at a room full of therapists, I feel like they would have a hard time with this inner dialogue. It's so non-traditional. Yeah, I definitely did in the beginning too. And it's in time of war, we're using these scenarios and I'm thinking like, wow, maybe the thing is that what I found in my yeah. healing is that you traditional path and it works to for many or to a certain way. And then you want just deeper and you're willing to even consider things that you think are radical. And No, my husband said nonsensical is not a word, but my father said it is a word. I mean, he's a thesaurus. <laughs> Even the nonsensical. And I remember when I was debilitated with depression and anxiety, I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't swallow. I couldn't shower on my own. There was not 10 minutes yeah. without a panic attack. Yeah. And I did the medicine and I did the therapy. And at a certain time I said, you know what? I don't care anymore. I don't care if you tell me to say backwards, the ABC standing on my and head and wearing a pink shoe on one foot and a black on another foot and split and that's going to work I will try it I remember trying the different potions and I often say to people not everything is going to work all the way but maybe it's going to take you five percent further maybe it's going to open something for ten percent I'm listening to you and I'm like wow the traditional therapy probably yeah I, I don't know how they deal with this but i just i do know how somatic is so yeah. popular it works. and it work. and i hear and so quickly. many stories i personally hear so many stories of unbelievable yeah. miracles i had a friend that had terrible yeah. stomach issues yeah. for years they thought it was gluten and then they thought it was dairy and then they thought it was parasites she did somatic and she yeah. didn't believe in all this stuff and she's like okay you just get to a point that you just say okay i'm willing to try it and i say maybe it's gonna work and maybe it's not gonna work how many times do we we go to therapy for two years, and we're like, okay, we're in the same spot. Right. It's not working. I didn't get anything out of it. I'm just thinking like the dream yeah. of the war. Like yeah. it's a heavy topic. It's really a yeah. heavy topic. The war, and to think that um, I, I'm inspired that soldiers are using yeah. it and they're the compelled thing, to try it. Well, I'm inspired. What I'm doing
0: as a, I'm doing this on a volunteer basis as well is I created a support group for parents of soldiers. I've, I've only done one session so far. I've been doing other groups. Actually, it's the the Nature Museum invited me to come and do it. A, a friend of mine runs a nature museum, Shulamit Dayan. The, mm. the way that it happened was her son is one of the first combat soldiers to go into Bayerie He's been in a tremendous amount of combat. So she's mm. been very stressed. And I said, Shulamit, I need to do some work on you. Mm. And she was oh, no, I don't. I said, let's do a group. Let's do it with a group. So we got a group of, of women together. Actually, there was a, a husband there as well, a, a father as, as well a group of people together, all of whom have children who are in combat right now. And sitting right next to her was another mother of a boy who is fighting in exactly the same battalion. Exactly the same battalion. Yeah. Crazy. And it was so healing for them. It was so healing for them to go through the, the scenario. And it's touching each of them in a different way. Each of them are taking this war in different places and it's hitting on different aspects from their previous life so it's not just about healing Mm. stuff in the war it's also healing stuff feeling feelings of I'm not a good enough parent or a lot of that's coming up right now or even birth a birth trauma came up uh, from this other mother was sharing about Mm. how some memory from when she gave birth to her son and different things about that that she hadn't healed it's just it's so deep it is so deep and so amazing mm. the stuff that comes mm. up and the stuff that gets healed and people were walking out of there it was we only did it like an hour and 15 minute session it was supposed to be an hour and a half we did it so fast
1: <laughs> it was so fast really and each one did their own each body part wherever they, they feel princess. it so you went through the was whole only, group it was only about five, individually? five
0: people that time so it went really fast mm. but each one took it to their own place and right. they just all brought up their own stuff and Doing it in a collective group is just so powerful because you don't feel alone. You just don't feel alone. Doing it in your own, mm. doing it individually is also very powerful because you're also giving testimony to the therapist. But doing with other people who you know are going through similar experiences just compounded, so compounded. It's just incredible.
1: Mm. So we jumped into yeah. the war, but you had a private practice I know, it's before believe, the right? war, <laughs> and Before COVID. Before it's 23 years. We're, we're talking about extreme times, an extreme even circumstantial trauma and something that needs like, that it's not just, oh, if I'm not going to heal, I'll come back in a week or so. Like this is big stuff. I want to combine two issues. So one of the things that you do is work with couples on different differences. If it's, if it's how they lead their life in a spiritual matter, it could be so with children. What way do we want our children to be? They're very divided in that. There's a lot of differences. And I often say we get married thinking we know life. And then life hits us and we think about life. And then and then we have to just evolve each other and work with each other to yeah. figure things out because we think we know everything, but we really know almost nothing. Life hits, right? And that's okay. And that's okay. So there's just so much you can prepare beforehand. But as long as you're open-minded, when we did a whole series on relationships and marriage and divorce and intimacy... One of the things, one of the amazing people that I love, and I call her my mentor, was Aliza Bulo. I had her a few times on my podcast. One was discussing her son died by suicide years ago and overcome. She's a phenomenal human. She's the head of Project Core. Heard of it. It's it's, uh, empowering women to be leaders in their community, in their homes. It's incredible. I I might this wrong i'm not described but it's she's a phenomenal human being and i know her personally. she's a convert she married a a a guy that was religious grew up religious and after they had a lot of grief in their home they lost a child and they lost a grandchild they had a lot of pain in their home and and in their lives Uh. he left religion he left religion. He was the traditional lawyer that like the traditional Jewish lawyer with like with the, like have the the Torah in the home. And then she became more religious. And he just, at a certain point said, I know if God exists, I don't want to be part of who he is, or I don't want to misquote, but there's a whole episode on it. And they, and one of the things that she shares, which is mind boggling. And I say when I'm, is her love, respect, and trust that they have for each yeah. other. That in a marriage, these three things, love, respect, and trust have to be yep. in for the marriage that when things oh, separate wanna. or issues come up, that it doesn't break the marriage. And she says like there is challenges in the relationship and, in, and it comes up and it's deep, like when it comes to not religious There's bigger things. There's shabbos. It's kosher. There's nida. There's a family purity. All these things that you could, as one, is easy to do. But you're in a home. Like, how do you? How do you? And I'm blown away by both of them. One of the people that I'm going to interview our next podcast of listening to understand is her husband to understand how heals with her being more and serving the Orthodox community, and and he just admires yeah. her to no end and puts yeah. her on a pedestal and celebrates her achievements even though it's has nothing yeah. to do with his beliefs, yeah. opposite of his beliefs. And it's just remarkable. And this love, respect, yeah. and trust that she talks about. And I feel like I need to get better yeah. at it. I need to get it better. And I'm coming full circle to my question. I see it a lot. I see it coming up in my own relationships with people I care about, mentors that I admired or family members, kids, or I don't speak politics with that much. So it'd come up there. We just, I don't read the news. I just haven't. Play and healthier. we have, and we just, we don't, we just don't. But if I, if it's a friend or a relative, or even maybe a sibling, and it's vastly different view and it could be in religion now with the war it's coming up a lot why am i bringing it back because i feel like with the war it's not just politics these are lives these are lives this is yeah. our country. this is our future there's i believe uh right i we're more liberal less liberal this is are we going to die we're going to more anti-semitism less so how do we deal with these yeah. differences when it's Forget the community, people, about. I'm saying people that we really deeply care about a lot to us. And we don't want to use this as a yeah. division, like something that will divide or create between us. How do we do that as somebody that's a relationship coach, as well as a... Marriage, marriage how do we do it? Yeah. This is just a, a glimpse of what really happens yeah. often in life, but it's intensified. It, everybody's right. feeling it. So everybody's like now, yeah. oh, I get that now, right? There's somebody in my life that I don't agree with yeah. when it comes to the war and it's either triggering or pain. It's a really hard question. It's a, that's a, a really question, hard question. Right?
0: It's not just the snap your fingers. It's not as easy as Essie. Let's put it that way, <laughs> because right. here you're dealing with two people with two right. very vastly different ways of of dealing with things.
1: what are we doing for ourselves? What do we want to be? Do we want to work on? What's important to us? How can we cultivate these small changes in our brain and our day to day life with our own tools? I call working with me the VIP program because I handhold you through the process. And sometimes the process is very lonely and hard and frustrating. And you want to just make sure you get it right to guide you through it with somebody that went through it. Sometimes you need a therapist, a psychiatrist, a coach, and somebody like me, somebody that went through the same thing, the same challenge as I did and I love working with people that are ready to do the work because it is expensive it's a lifelong investment into yourself into your future when you start working with a therapist with a coach or with someone like me you're investing into your long-term stability into your long-term mental health people often ask me can I work with you how many times what does it look like and I say it's not about how many times what are you willing to do to show up to work on yourself to make the changes how ready are you because if you're not ready The investment will go south. You could say, I don't know where I want to go. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't even believe it can, but I'm no longer willing to stay in this position where I am now. Choose yourself. What are you willing to do to bring awareness to yourself, to your mental health, to your stability, to change? How are you going to impact yourself that you will impact the world? If you want to work one-on-one with me, link is in the show notes. Happy to answer any questions that you have. One-on-one with Matana. Schedule a free 30-minute consultation that we can see if you are ready. Be ready for change. Be ready to work hard. Be ready to see... different you
0: let's say as an example um, one is coming from a more right-wing political approach and one is coming from a more left-wing political approach right now in a relationship where they both understood that this is how they are and maybe they didn't even start out that way maybe that's maybe one became more one way or the other as the relationship is going on, Mm. but as long as they were talking about it and sharing it and had mutual respect around it, like this Elisa Bulo that you're talking about her husband, right? as long as you're talking about it and talking about it and hearing it, hearing from the other person in a respectful way, then that could really work okay. It's just a matter of saying that you don't hold the goods on which is the right way. The problems come when one person thinks that their way is the right way and the other person's way is the wrong way as long as you can have space in your head to think that this is my opinion, but maybe I don't hold the goods on my opinion. Maybe my opinion is not the only opinion in the room. Maybe there's some space for somebody else's opinion and that could work. Okay. The problems come when either a, the couple has never really talked about their opinions and all of a sudden you've got this big fat war going on, which is, there's so much politics here and there's so many emotions that are rife and maybe you never thought about your politics before and all of a sudden you feel like you're forced to suddenly have a political opinion about things and and one and then you suddenly wake up and you discover that actually one feels this way and one feels that way and then you're really triggered by the fact that you feel confronted by the differences right if you went into this war Mm -hmm. having communicated about these very important things you're going to be in a much better space the problem is what happens when you haven't had this opportunity because it just You thought you could maybe live in Israel under a rock and not think about politics. Some people do. Some people do. And God bless them. They've been lucky until now. It's just that now they're really confronted and it's really hard to not think about these things. And so that person really would need a safe space in order to be able to help to lower the trigger. I think doing it on your own would be, I would imagine, it'd be really hard and really confronting, right? Because what's going to happen is they're going to either never talk about these things, which is going to make them go like that, make them fall apart. Or they're going to try to have these conversations, but because they don't have space or capacity to hear the other person, because they think that their opinion is right, and they don't have the space to hear the other person, there's
1: going to be an explosion. Is it doable to have vastly different opinions with loved ones and still have the love, respect, and trust? I wouldn't be able to do my job if I
0: didn't feel that way. I definitely feel that way very strongly. But the question is, is, the thing is, is the other person open to hearing the other person? And that's the the end of the game, no matter what the issue is, right? And I've had couples come to me where I haven't been successful with them because because one person thinks that their partner needs to just think like them. I'm not going to be very successful in a relationship where one person thinks that they're right and they just need to get the other person on board. Um, because I don't that's that really goes against my value system. Because then basically what you're saying is you want to be able to hold the other person captive. And I don't believe that marriage and relationships are about holding people in captivity, much as
1: Esther Perel mating in captivity.
0: Esther Perel says talks about mating in captivity. I don't believe yes, she right. means about holding people hostage.
1: <laughs> right. So
0: I believe it's about setting people free and each person being able to be a free individual and have differences of opinion that can coexist, even if they are vastly different. Like the one you described before.
1: So you're saying that so if a couple is feeling a couple or somebody in the immediate family or maybe the workplace that they're feeling really triggered by the other person, how can yeah. they break it down and make it not personalized? What are some tips that you can give and say mm. like yeah. how do we divide it into okay, it's their mm. opinion, they're not Hamas yeah. or the vice versa, versa it's their opinion. It doesn't mean that they're baby murderers of the entire Gaza. Right. Like, how right. do we do that slowing down and, and, and to see the other person versus saying, if you don't yeah. see my value, I can't, I can't have a relationship with you or I can't be close right. to you because we don't value the same values.
0: I think you really said it right there. It's really about slowing things down and not, I think that's the biggest mistake when people have very heated conversations as they, it gets spun out of control because they're doing it so fast. And they think that if they speak really quickly, that they're going to get to the solution faster. And that actually is really the death knell of a relationship, right? Whereas if you slow things down, you notice how you're feeling and really listen to your body, like we were talking about earlier, right? If you're feeling triggered, notice where that trigger is inside of you and ask yourself, what is the trigger really sitting on? what is making you feel so threatened that just because he thinks black and you think white that the two can't coexist or you can't create some sort of gray. So it's about really trying to understand what it is that makes you feel so threatened. Is it the way that the person's speaking? Is it reminding you of something that someone um, did to you before where they just shut you down and didn't hear your opinion? Is it about you feeling that your opinion isn't valid, that there's no space for your opinion? So I'd be asking myself all these kinds of questions and really just try to calm myself down. And that's really the aim of the game in, in couples therapy is really helping to create a calming space for each, for the couple so that they could then really hear each other. And that happens all the time. A couple will come in and they just, they just revealed something really terrifying. They just discovered something very terrifying that happened in the relationship that they, didn't know existed before and they just feel oh my god they feel as, as if they would just been attacked but they mm-hmm. feel betrayed mm-hmm. right and so it's about really helping to just create a calm space where everyone could just settle themselves and not feel that like they're in a war mode even mm-hmm. if you are mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's really what it is it's really about
1: really just calming the nervous system down and then you can work with the entire brain not just the chopped off fire. the fr- flight a fight or flight reaction exactly of yeah. right? The, of uh, just like okay. reactive. Brain. I once Thanks. asked a therapist, a trauma therapist, what's the difference between trauma reaction and a healthy gut reaction? Mm. And how do we know the difference between them? What would you say? Um, Like, how yeah. do you know the difference between trauma? But I remember, and I brought this up when Chaim Walder was, I yeah. think it's when he died by suicide and, and there was the big camaraderie I didn't know about him before the whole episode I never heard of him it's funny I grew up in Israel oh, wow. I never heard of him yeah but I remember the camaraderie and there was a lot of talking about educating our children yeah. about abuse and blah, blah, blah. And we were, we have family dinners every night. And there was someone at the, fa- I don't know even we I don't even remember who I was. We have a lot of extras at our tables always. Like we, I don't, it's not just our core family. There's always someone extra and there's always a political or drama at the table talking about what Ben Shapiro said or what this said, or there's always like the updates and the mommy that knows Mm -hmm. nothing. And they always say, if you, I I always say, how do you know that happened? If you have a heartbeat, you would know. So maybe check your heartbeat because I'm so disconnected (laughs) from the news or whatever. So when it all came up, of course, I had to address it on the podcast because I just needed to. So I did a little bit of talk and there was somebody, I don't remember who it was, that was like saying he didn't deserve the death sentence, something like that. He killed Mm -hmm. himself about it. Oh, my God. They had empathy for him. And I was thinking oh my God, what an evil person you are to have empathy for somebody that molested mm. or abused or whatever it was. Yeah. And then right away, I ran into making assumptions about that person, mm. maybe they're themselves are molesters, maybe they're abusers, mm. like right away. Mm. And I literally felt like I couldn't breathe. I couldn't uh. breathe. I was mm. so angry. How dare yeah. you? How? Right dare you? What kind of person are you? And yeah. then I said to myself, wait, Matana, you're attacking this person for no reason. They just right. had an so opinion. It kind of was a conversation. And... Uh, I had to calm myself down. And then I asked myself, is this a trauma response or is it a gut response? response. Which one is it? Because I didn't really know. Now I remember that I didn't know the person very well. I really didn't know the person. And I was like, oh, wait one second, who are you? And maybe we don't know a lot about you. And I should be very skeptical about you. So I was curious, how do we know the difference between a gut response and a trauma response?
0: That's a really good question. I think a trauma response is a response that's a kind of knee-jerk reaction that you don't, where you realize you're not really fully using your whole brain. I'll give you a great example. All these wonderful people right now who are running around like crazy Michiganas trying to do all this volunteer work. There are some people out there that are like that, especially immediately after. That was a trauma response to the war. They were running around making sandwiches, tying tzitzes, and trying to make Tons of cookies and tons of this, and I almost got into this myself. I, I noticed myself
1: doing this because which is felt, normal because people right. wanted to say, "I'm not at the front line. I can't really do something. So how can I be part of serving and be a part of saving our country yeah, and the I, world?" Yeah. Helplessness. It was about dealing with helplessness,
0: right. and I noticed myself I was feeling helpless because I mean, even though I'm very blessed, I don't have any. I didn't have anybody from my immediate family, although I have obviously extended people, but my immediate family was not in the war. And I felt like I needed to do something because I can. And so a lot of people were doing this kind of thing, but like in really crazy, frantic, extreme way, ways. So I calmed that down. I noticed that in in myself. And I said to myself, hang on a minute. Let me just try to think if I just act like a a crazy person, I'm going to be useless. I'm going to go into some sort of shock mode or, or shutdown because I'm not looking after myself. And so I calmed myself down and I said to myself, hang on a minute. I want to feel useful. I want to feel like I'm doing something for this war. What is my skill set? What can I do? And when I was able to calm myself down and really listen to myself, that's where I got to the place of maybe I can help people with my therapy because that's something I'm actually good at and trained at. And I know that it actually helps. And that's where I came to The idea of creating these support groups and volunteering therapy for people who needed it. And when I was able to do that, I I was in a much, much better place because I was much calmer. I was sleeping better. I knew that I was doing the right thing. I felt it in my kishkas. I felt it in my blood. That was what I was meant to be doing. So that's the difference, I think, between a trauma response and a gut response. Where you really and what
1: are... would be a gut response? I'm just not feeling, what does a gut response do that's different than a trauma? It's a sensical, it's, it's more got... grounded.
0: It's grounded, it's using your full brain, it's, making... it's looking after you. It's mm-hmm. nourishing you and looking after you and it's saying, what can you do that doesn't feel like you're hyperextending yourself? Mm-hmm. What do you feel that you're doing that is... Within your bounds, that's not going to make you crazy or make you lose
1: your nut. Mm. That kind of thing. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. So we're coming to wrap up now. I, I want, yeah, I know <laughs> we could do an, a few more series. What I wanted to ask you is I saw that you were also doing like this. My, What if somebody knows that they have something in their body, like yeah. constant tension, either in their stomach? By me, it's over here in my neck. I'm all I have no idea what I have here but for years since I'm like 12 here and I always imagine play-doh softening and I I go with my mind I like sometimes like it's becoming butter and it's just like relaxing and maybe even feeling that lick like of a release and and often like anxiety is in my chest literally in my chest I feel like I can't breathe but I'm very good with breathing I'm it's my power tool. I use it all the time when I feel anxious. Mm-hmm. My kids even know mommy's going into breathing for two, five, three, whatever minutes, maybe 10, maybe 15. I just calm my nervous system with my breath. Yeah. I always say, God gives it to us for free. Let's tap into it. It's such a powerful tool. But Absolutely. that's where I, like, I feel like if it's too much here, I just go into breathing. And also, my stomach always feels like when I'm anxious, it feels like an a knot. So I don't even know what. Maybe it's a collective of anxiety or stuff or fear or whatever in life. But how do we figure out what is really going on? If we're like, if I come to to a somatic therapist, do I? Can I come with? something that's not working and they figure it out just yeah absolutely just bring your symptoms with Hmm. just share your symptoms and then see what pops up and it can and if it's you said the layers there's the big t the big traumas or the small traumas so Mm -hmm.
0: with that treatment you can like peeling an onion you'll just see the outer layers just fall off and they just come off and they come off and they come off
1: Hmm. so if someone's curious about this they would say okay the peeling of the onion let's say Mm -hmm. Let's say I would come to you for the neck, for example, sure. and say, well, let me figure out. And then the neck doesn't hurt, by the way, the neck is loose forever, or the, I'd learn how to, take um, something. to, so if somebody's saying I- I'm coming for something, let's say it's an intimacy thing. Let's say it's a relationship, Somebody's single that is stuck They're They feel like they're not moving forward with their, with dating. They feel like they're always getting stuck in the same place. So they come to you. They want to know what is, what does it look like? Sessions with you? How long is it? Is it months? Is it years? Is it a few sessions? How long is every session? You work on Zoom really and in do. private, right? Okay. Both, both Zoom and in my
0: office. This is my office. Take a little look around. Yeah, it really depends on how long the trauma has been persisting for. Sexual traumas will take often a lot longer, unless it's been a shock trauma like a rape and it happened very recently then it's um, a little bit easier to heal. But if it's a trauma that's sitting on other trauma, it'll take a while longer. But let, as I say, with these shock traumas that I'm dealing with from the war, two, three sessions, I worked with a woman who was struggling to get out of her house. Hmm. And she came to me. She came to me because I worked with a friend of hers who had a birth trauma. And so I worked with it. She literally went from not being able to leave her house to being able to, within three sessions, she's able to drive everywhere. She's able to walk everywhere. She was able to drive everywhere. The first, few se- the first session, I got her to leave her house and go to pick up her children from the creche across the street. And the next session was going that little bit further. I literally had her in her mind going for a walk a little bit further down and seeing where the trauma was sitting and, and wa- walk, walking her through that. And so three sessions, we were done because it wasn't sitting on too much. It was actually sitting on a previous trauma that we managed to heal that was from six months earlier, but we were able to clear it
1: out very quickly. And what about like childhood trauma for adults, like something like abuse, abandonment, what that can so, be like? So a, shock a trauma,
0: so a shock trauma, like the one I just described from the war, something from the immediate exactly what it's from and when it's from. And it's very easy to describe. That'll take just a few sessions. A developmental trauma takes a lot longer. It could take several months to a year or more, mm-hmm. depending on how many different ways it's worked and what you want to achieve, what you want to really feel. Mm Because the the client at the end of the day, they're the ones that dictate when they feel better.
1: Starting to peel the onions. Mm. Is it a hard, is it a hard experience? Because you're basically confronting the trauma head on, right? Mm. There's no just like analyzing it slowly. You're really like going right into it. So so let's say you're working with somebody with childhood trauma Mm.
0: and
1: they're unraveling it. What happens for the first 10 sessions, for example, in between them? How, I, how are how they functioning in their lives?
0: Hopefully they'll be functioning a little bit better than what they were beforehand. Because mm-hmm. if they come to me and they aren't functioning so well, if they aren't having a good relationship with their husband as a result, or they're not able to connect with their children, mm-hmm. or they're not able to work, or mm-hmm. they're not able to get out of bed, it's all, everything is relative. So hopefully they'll be able to, you'll be able to see like little markers of what it is that they're doing well, with a, a person who's not able to leave their home. What I'm doing is I'm literally helping them like walk through what is it like to leave the door? What is it like to go through the building? What is it like to go across the street? Hmm. And I'm seeing what they're feeling in their body. And they're literally measuring what how big is the tension inside of their body. I'll ask them maybe on a scale of one to five or one to 10, how big is the trauma? And I'm trying to get them down from a 10 to a two, hmm. right? Where at the end, they don't even know that they ever felt anything. Mm. this client who I saw for three four sessions she it's like she looks back to when the when she first started seeing me just like a week or two after the war and she said I can't believe I ever found it hard to leave my door
1: I can't believe I couldn't
0: leave my house Mm. and now I'm driving around I'm taking my kids everywhere I'm visiting friends I'm going for walks I'm going shopping I'm being a normal functioning person
1: Mm. and she
0: can't believe that just a few weeks ago, she literally could not leave her house.
1: Yeah. Do, do they find that it works also with OCD, with treating OCD, depression? I, I was wondering if it can treat also extreme OCD or even depression. Yeah. Can you treat them?
0: Absolutely. It's, it. They all have symptoms, right? Depression, But, you know, the symptoms, there's so many depression symptoms. It's about identifying what is the symptom that the person is struggling with that they want to be different. If it's feeling that fog in the brain, not being able to get out of bed, not being able to function, feeling like you're not
1: working at your full capacity. Or what about deep sadness? Like Like deep sadness, sadness, like severe depression that you can't get out of bed. You have no motivation to speak, to eat, to do anything. It can also help with that.
0: Yeah. It's seeing what that sadness is sitting on. And helping to release it, helping to and it's always
1: sitting on something. It's always
0: that's what my experience has has been.
1: Mm. Yeah,
0: there's always something. It might take some time to get
1: there. It might take some time to get there. Mm. When we get there, wow, that's that's so fascinating to me. It's really fascinating to me because I'm thinking back to my years of depression 13 years ago. I did a lot of traditional therapy at the time and we couldn't come up with anything specific that it's like that is creating the depression. When I remember my years of depression and I went through a tremendous amount of traditional therapy, they couldn't yeah. figure there was nothing that it was sitting on. It was completely a hormonal imbalance that of course was sit, was sitting on some kind of of deep rooted belonging or something like that, but it wasn't a trauma. It was, I understood myself better once I unpacked it, but it wasn't a trauma. And the depression was brutal to a sense that I didn't want to live. It just, I couldn't imagine. There was nothing that my mind can think of that will bring me any relief. Nothing. What if it's not on a trauma? What if it's not sitting on something? It could be a hormonal imbalance, a chemical imbalance.
0: I I find that hard to believe. I got to tell you, because generally speaking a hormonal imbalance it's all connected to the body right and so there must be something that was causing the hormones to go out of whack and it could have been something maybe you you treated it in a hormonal way with with drugs or something like this i'm not sure or and and a lot of talk therapy but my my belief obviously we can't turn back Mm -hmm. time and i'm sure you wouldn't want to either generally speaking you could find something that it would be sitting on
1: i remember just trying and i was like God, just give me anything that will give me a relief. Yes, of course I did medication and I did it all. It was, an I call, I have an episode called describing my, I called it the hormonal overdose because yeah. I did overdose on hormones in order to prevent my period from coming because I was traveling and I had uh, early ovarian failure and I didn't even know about it. I was just yeah. medicating myself just in order not to get my period and my body couldn't tolerate it. And mm-hmm. many bodies can't tolerate hormones in general i was always very like sensitive to hormones but to overdose just because i wanted to avoid period which i after i released my episode a lot of people are like oh my god i'm not the only one and thank you for sharing and wow maybe that's what i'm going Mm -hmm. through we underestimate what hormones do to our minds and our bodies so i did have to balance that and then there were small things that came up which are not small Mm -hmm. because it shifted my life but at the time Mm -hmm. I wonder if I would be able to even say, where is my sadness? Where's my pain? Where is it? I, I wonder. Yeah. I'm curious to know. I'm really curious to know. But for yeah. other people, because since this is a mental health podcast, there's a lot of depression, anxiety, OCD, yeah. and many others. And I'm wondering yeah. if it can help with all of them, because I'm sure... Our, People are going to be wondering and, sure. and curious. Absolutely. Absolutely. And
0: oftentimes those other mental illnesses are getting in the way of their ability to feel good about themselves, to establish a relationship with other people, to function in the best way and be their best selves. Mm. And so once they're able to really release themselves from the trauma that's been sitting inside their bodies for so long, it helps them make better decisions about relationships. It helps them make better decisions about what they want to do with their lives how they want to be in this world and it helps them just to feel really like their best highest
1: selves. Mm. I would love Absolutely. to have you on again on the topic okay. of how can we be a supporter to a loved one. Let's say we we got married, happy go lucky, everything's okay. And then mm. somebody, one of the one of the partners go into depression or anxiety or something that wasn't before how do we as the caretaker not lose ourselves and have still the strength to continue and not have that shame part of am i the good partner am i not loving properly because it could be it could be huge to be a caretaker of somebody that's going through mental illness for both of them. I always say we give a lot of spotlight to the one that's struggling with a mental illness. What about the partner? Absolutely. Yeah, I see that a lot. I would love to discuss that because I think we need to give a little bit of space for the partners that are living with somebody that's going through mental illness experience or long-term mental illness and how do they deal with it? Yeah, it's not easy it's,
0: not, it's easy. not easy. I definitely take my hat off to those people. They're both, obviously they're both struggling because the person with a mental illness feels so much guilt and shame that they're holding things back and they're not able to be intimate as much as they'd like. And they don't, they're not able to be fun and light and romantic and all that. and Or be
1: anything or, or just be anything. A, a, a right. talkative or show up right. or not interested.
0: In- and the other partner, the, the one who is not suffering with mental illness, let's mm-hmm. say, at that point anyway, feels a lot of resentment and anger and frustration. And why can't he or she just get themselves together and pull themselves out of this funk and their bodies work? And it's so hard to see mental illness as an illness. If the God forbid had cancer or a physical illness. It's somehow in, I think it's society,
1: culturally. It has more empathy.
0: You could give more empathy to that's broken. You know, if a person, you know, has a broken leg, oh, they can't do it because their their leg just doesn't work, as opposed to seeing that the brain isn't working the way that it needs to. And it's just affecting their entire system.
1: I uh, was just at a retreat for aphasia for stroke Mm -hmm. survivors. And my hat went off for the supporters because it's hell. To lose your speech, your ability to read or write is hell. But also how much empathy and sympathy do we need for the caretaker? We call them the caretakers, the supporters, because they need to have so much patience Mm -hmm. and just to relive living with somebody that they didn't know how to live with that person. And it can get exhausting. As much as you could see it, it gets exhausting. And I I think there needs to be more conversation about that, how we get through it and what would we do in order to support properly from both sides. That's exactly it. Yes. Mickey, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. For me. What a powerful conversation. It's a big topic. We spoke about a big yeah. topic. I usually don't bring up these big topics. You see. Like I think Chaim Walder was a big topic that we brought up. <laughs> I'm trying to think what another big topic that was like, it could be heavy, but I see that our community likes these topics and they're curious and they want to know and they want to evolve and they could take it while. So thank you for joining me here. I really appreciate it and good luck with everybody and with all your incredible work you're doing for the world and for the Chayalim and their family. Kol HaKavod and thank you. Thank you so much, Mickey. Thank you. Bye till next time. Looking to reduce your anxiety and stress, relax your muscles, or get a better night's sleep? Check out MaxiFize.com, 100% Legal Hemp, where you can find doctor-formulated, lab-certified, high-quality CBD oils, tinctures, and other items, cultivated, grown, harvested, and packaged in the United States, and available in different sizes and strength formulas. Check out maxifies.com that's M-A-X-I-F-Y-Z.com, and use coupon code HOPE to get 10% off your order plus free shipping. That's maxifies.com.